Hey, welcome to our multiverse. We're excited you're joining us for our new parody comedy series, Superhero Diaries. Hello, this is Batman. Well, sort of. I mean, I'm not one of those actors who gets to play all your favorite superheroes in movies and TV. I guess you would say I'm a parody version of The Dark Knight. Anywho, me and some of my super friends have decided to tell you what we're really thinking when we are doing all those crime-fighting, earth-saving, multiverse-hopping kind of stuff. We will reveal what's behind the mask. Our most private thoughts. Like, who's our secret superhero crush? Gotta go. Girl talk. We have to deal with real-life issues just like you. I mean, how does Spider-Man pee when he's wearing his Spidey onesie? It rides up in the crotch a little bit, too. Does Aquaman talk to fish before he eats them? What is the Hulk's critical review of Wonder Woman 84? And most confounding of all... Someday she just can't get rid of a bomb. How does a guy like me, with no superpowers, get through the week without getting killed every other day? All will be revealed when Superhero Diaries takes off on February 9th. Subscribe now, true believers! Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. The ocean is quiet and serene. Ships pass each other in the night, never pausing to consider the horrors that lurk below the surface of the water. One nuclear test later, the monster Godzilla rears his head through the calm and announces with a scream that he intends to destroy Tokyo once again. Arriving near land, the world's armies prepare for what will ultimately be another lost campaign. It is then that five teenagers arrive on scene, calling their powers to combine. The mighty Morphin Power Rangers create the mighty Dino Megazord to attempt to handle the force of nature of the radioactive lizard before them. Godzilla lets out yet another howl to let the Megazord know it is seen and it will be destroyed. And with a... Chiming in the background... This battle of titans is underway. It's Kaiju versus Robot. It's Monster Zero One versus the Battle Ender. It's Godzilla versus Dino Megazord. Today on Who Would Win? And welcome to another episode of Who Would Win, a show that completely ignores anything important happening in the world and instead focuses on a fictional battle between two characters from the worlds of comic book, sci-fi. And fantasy. I'm your host, James Gavsey, and as always, I'm joined by my co-host, Ray Stacanus. You know, Ray, today's battle is kind of something we've wanted to do for quite some time. In one corner, you have the king of all monsters, Godzilla itself. And in the other corner, you have the legendary, the iconic, if you will, the original Megazord from the Power Rangers. Look, I typically do the patented who would win Google test to see, you know, how many people have talked. Yeah, millions of people have talked about this sure, already. Let's, let's sure. not fool ourselves. <laughs> However, it has been talked you know, who would win style debate between Ray and myself. So for many of you, this is the first time. And more importantly, it's the end of mainstream March. 
and the title of first ever winner of Mainstream March is on the line. And I don't know about you, Ray, but I want this title really bad, is what I'm saying. Ray, what are your thoughts on today's matchup? I, I like today's matchup just fine. You know, we've done Godzilla on the show before. In fact, my very first episode was Godzilla right. versus Voltron in a bad decision because Godzilla lost. I'm hoping for a good decision that Godzilla loses today. The Megazord has a heck of a lot in common with Voltron. Let's just keep it real for a second and a half. So this is almost like a second helping of that previous match. We'll just have to see how this one goes. This is really interesting because, yeah, you actually did a great job against Voltron despite not getting the win. Not Despite not getting the win. However, I kind of look at Godzilla a little bit different. So I'm really interested in this matchup. By the way, speaking of interesting, Ray, we have some interesting questions from the fans that oh. all of them would like us to answer. So let me just kind of ask you some questions let's and, do it. You know, from the fans and let's see what happens. Okay, so question number one, what do James and Ray do if they lose? So Ray, what what do you do after the show once you lose a match? Well, officially, I've never actually lost a match ever in the history of the show. I've won every single match, at least in the hearts and minds of the people. Now, if the judge of that show tells me that I lost the match, I immediately disregard them. I treat them the way they ought to be treated by when they lie to me much like some of those judges you know do. And then I watch a little bit of, I don't know, The Masked Singer, Law & Order SVU, Barney & Friends, whatever the heck's on TV at that time, and I just enjoy the rest of my day. That's great. Uh, When I lose, I um, make a sandwich. That's it. Question number two, how much would we charge for a pay-per-view fight between James and Ray? Well, James, you've said this before. We had a conversation about this because you were offered a chance to be in a pay-per-view mixed martial arts match. I mean, a lot of people don't know this about you. And I believe your number was 500,000. Is that correct? I, I did. I did quote them 500,000. Mm-hmm. For some reason, they didn't find that number enticing. So the match never happened. Well, I find that number enticing. So if you want to give $500,000 to both <laughs> myself and James. That's right. On top of a certain percentage of box office and pay-per-view downloads or whatever the heck the kids call them these days, I am here for that. $500,000 each gets us in the ring together. That's a great matchup. I'd I'd go with that number. I'd also say for the pay-per-view itself, what was Conor McGregor charging for the last pay-per-view? I think it was $100, if I'm not mistaken. At at least. At least. Let's face it. We'd have to charge a lot more if we're getting paid $500,000. I'd say at least $200 minimum per person who watches the pay-per-view. So we may need to charge we may need to charge five hundred thousand dollars for the pay-per-view and hope that two people buy it. I think we'd get uh maybe two people. You're right. Okay, question number three. This one, uh interesting. What kind of animal would the Who Would Win show be? Interesting. Interesting. Now this is something I have put zero thought in whatsoever. Uh, I would have to say it would probably be a bumblebee. And the reason I think so is it creates a beautiful nectar and, and works together in synergy. And then as soon as it stings you, it has to die. And that's how I feel about many of the judges on this show. They sting me and then they have to die, at least socially <laughs> by me. <laughs> or at least emotionally. Oh, least definitely. A little, a little bit of emotional death every time. I'm taking, I'm taking my pound show. of flesh with every loss, James. That's a fact. That's fair. That's an interesting observation with the bumblebee. I actually think the show's more like a dragon. Interesting. Right? Yeah, it just swoops down, uses fire to destroy anything that's against it. Mm -hmm. But then everyone else who's for it is kind of cheering it on, even in the destruction of its enemies. All right. I can see that. I I don't know why I'm saying that. I uh, just got back from uh, synagogue. All right. Great answers. Fans of the show, please keep sending us questions. Uh, We'd love to answer them. And and all of you are great in your own 
cool way. Speaking of great, it's time to introduce our guest judge. Coming back for another episode of Who Would Win, it's the frontman of Hellcross. Yeah, I said it. It's improv master and current dungeon master extraordinaire. It's the one, it's the only. It's Grady James Welch. Grady, thank you so much for coming to the show. Thanks for having me back, guys. You know, since I was last on here, I've made a lot of money off of GameStop stock, so I think I'm going to sponsor this fight between you guys. Excellent. It's chump change now. Here we go. Well, you you are that kind of guy. You're smart. You know how to take advantage of the trends of investment. Oh, yeah. That's me. I'm I'm a real day trader now. I mean, that's fair. I bought a lot of MoviePass stock back when I had the chance to do so, and I... And not doing as well as Grady. <laughs> Hold on to those. Hold on to those stocks. I don't really have I a choice, that, James. I yeah. don't really have a choice. <laughs> Diamond hands. You don't lose money unless you sell. That's right. That's right. You make money when you buy those stocks. You know, question for you, Grady. Last time you were on the show, uh-huh. after the show, you uh, told me something. It was kind of like you have a secret wish. And you said, I just wish someday I would have this wish granted, which makes it two wishes to wish for a wish. But whatever. Hmm. Yeah. So I I just kind of want to say if we could grant your I hope you don't mind me being personal with you. If we could grant your special wish, which is you get to be a 300 foot tall Godzilla sized version of yourself for 24 hours. What would you do during that period of time? Oh, man. I would see if I could jump to the moon. Can't you do that when you're that tall? I assume so. Isn't that how gravity works? Exactly I would it. play baseball with the Empire State Building. I well, would play yeah. soccer with Epcot. I think we'd all do that, yeah. Yeah, that tracks. I, I would totally be there. I would, would surf on the ship that's stuck in the Suez Canal. Mm. Mm-hmm. Topical. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Would, you, would you get it out of the Suez Canal first and then go surfing or just surf Yeah, it yeah, right yeah there? totally. <laughs> no, I'd just stand up and be like, I, I could move this if I wanted to. But I'm having a really good time with it right here. Instead, you're doing Tony Hawk uh, triple ollies on the sides of the Suez yep. Canal. Yep. And everybody around would be like, you kind of look like that guy, Tony Hawk. I mean, that, cab, it's, all tracks. Yep. it's all tracks. It's all tracks. Let me ask you a question. You see Ray's house and you see my house. And uh-huh. you can only step on one. Whose house are you stepping on? Well, I would just jump so I could squish them both. Good answer. Neither of you greased my palms for this one, so... <laughs> You're both knowing, knowing the posh district of Los Angeles that James's house is and the veritable slums that my house is located in, you'd have to be exceptionally large to get one foot on each house, given the vast distance in our neighborhoods. <laughs> oh, you should see 300 foot tall me do the splits over Los Angeles. It's I'll a sight be to behold. Now I want you, this too. And now I want this too. Yeah, you'd pull a Jean Claude Van Damme and kind of just like both yep. legs out and kind of. Okay, yep, great. On the, the trucks. Yep. All right, great. So so with that being said, how familiar are you with both of the uh, combatants in today's matchup? Power Rangers came out when I was in like second grade. So I watched the first several seasons, at least up through the introduction of the Green Ranger and maybe the White Ranger. So first couple seasons, but you know, that was a long time ago. And Godzilla, I mean, I've seen the original 1998 Roland Emmerich original classic at least twice. So so you're clearly up to date on yeah. both characters. Yeah, totally. I, get, I love it. Okay, that actually bodes well, because there's a lot of ground to cover. This is definitely has like a, a beautiful nostalgia feel to it with the uh, original you know, Megasword we're using. Wait. I'm super excited for this battle. Ray, any thoughts before we get started? 
I'm ready to get started. That's my thought. I'm ready to take Godzilla down a peg. King of the monsters, more like Jack of Diamonds of the monsters. Okay, well that's minus one point. You know what? It was worth it. Not going to lie. <laughs> that was good. That was good. Okay, with that said, it's about that time. Ray, please do us the honors and announce today's matchup. Representing Monster Cinema. The lizard who got his own show on HGTV because he was so adept at flipping houses, Godzilla. And representing Saban Entertainment, the battle robot who does two things, defeats giant monsters and color coordinates, and it's all out of color coordination, the Dino Megazord. Well done, Ray. Now, before we go any further, let's go over the official rules of a Who Would Win match. Rule number one, each debater will make three points. Rule number two, the Who Would Win match is a random encounter in a neutral location with no prior knowledge of the opponent or time to prepare for the fight. Rule number three, the debater must stay within the confines of the character's personality, and the exact version of that character has to be specifically stated. All right, there's a few different versions of the Megazord here, I believe. Which version are you using, Ray? Look, there are 30, I think 34 different series of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, which quite frankly, when I started cracking open this egg, blew my mind away. I was not ready to, to even do that. So my initial idea coming into this was the original Megazord. It might not be the most powerful of the Megazords, but as far as I'm concerned, it's the most iconic and it's the best representation of what this character is supposed to be. That is a deus ex machina that wins fights against giant monsters. Very cool. All right. So with Godzilla, there's a bunch of different versions as well. Um, I'm going to go with the uh, current version that you know started back in 2014, you know, in the MonsterVerse version of Godzilla. And that will include, I think there's some comic books that are in continuity, but uh, the uh, two films. And just putting this on record, I haven't seen the third film yet, so I will not be using any feats from Kong versus Godzilla or Godzilla versus Kong. Nor would we want to do that because we want people to enjoy this show without worrying about spoiling something that's new media. Hashtag no spoilers. Absolutely. All right. Rule number four. Debaters may only use examples of skills, powers, or weapons that are a long-established part of the character's continuity. Feats from non-canon crossovers are allowed, but will be given less weight. Rule number five. The winner of the debate is whomever the judge decides has the best case for defeating their opponent by death, submission, or battlefield removal. Rule number six. The judge is the final arbiter and can disallow or veto any point they feel violates these rules or established logic. Now, feel free to check out the additional rules on our website, whowouldwinshow.com. And before we get started, don't forget to visit the official Who Would Win store. Get your official Who Would Win t-shirts, mugs, and merchandise by going to whowouldwinshow.com and clicking on the merch section. Remember to keep up, keep an eye out for new shirts all the time. We have a new sponsor for Who Would Win, and I think y'all might enjoy this one. It is Marvel Strike Force. Marvel Strike Force is a mobile game that taps into everything we all love about Marvel Comics. You get to pick a squad of your favorite Marvel heroes, you know, and villains, let's keep it real, and team them up to fight big bads like Doctor Doom and, of course, save the universe. Your goal in Marvel Strike Force is to power up your characters and compete PvP against other players in multiple different modes. And you know I'm not telling you all about this empty-handed, because if you're a new user and sign up with our promo code MAXPOOL, M-A-X-P-O-O-L, you're going to get hooked up with all kinds of free stuff to get you started the right way. Let's face facts. You love Marvel, you love gaming, and you got a phone. So take a sec and check out Marvel Strike Force using the link in the description of this episode, ideally, and use our promo code MAXPOOL and get the whole Who Would Win show hookup. 
Thanks again to Marvel Strike Force, and thanks to me for this great read. Good job, me. Experience full plates and fuller wallets with Every Plate, America's best value meal kit. The holidays are upon us. Give yourself and your wallet a break. Every plate is 50% cheaper than a meal made from grocery store ingredients, and each recipe couldn't be easier to follow. With every plate, you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week and swap proteins, veggies, and sides to your liking. And all that for the same price as one cup of coffee. It's assuredly cheaper than that pumpkin spice latte. Last week, my family challenged me to make something great for dinner. So I ordered the amazing hibachi-style steak rice bowls from every plate for my family. Super easy and super quick to prepare, by the way. Now, my entire family thinks I'm an amazing cook. And thanks to every plate, you know what? They're not wrong. Each meal gives you simple step-by-step -step instructions and pre-portioned ingredients to make it fast and easy. Hey, I've said it before. If you can build a bookshelf, you can make a great meal with every plate. And the choices are varied. I've personally made crispy Caesar chicken, pork and poblano tacos, and bibimbap. And all of the above turned out absolutely fantastic. Get started with every plate for just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WWW179. That's just $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code WWW179. Try this offer and you'll see firsthand why every plate is America's best value meal kit. And now, let's get the tale of the tape for both of our combatants. Ray, please give us the details on the Megazord. The Megazord, or Dino Megazord as it is also known, is the combined and transformed creation of the five Dinozords of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. It first appeared in Day of the Dumpster, which came out in 1993, and he was created in this form by Haim Saban and Shuki Levy. The Mighty Morphin Power Rangers tells the story of five teenagers with attitude who were chosen to battle Rita Repulsa, an evil alien sorceress who had been trapped for 10,000 years. Each Power Ranger had use of their own personal dinosaur or giant robot to call into battle, and all five of the dinosaurs could be combined to create the Megazord or an even bigger giant robot that likes to fight. Uh, again, Voltron, it's, it's right here. Typically, the Megazord was called into a fight because Rita Repulsa had turned one of her minions into a giant monster version of itself. Now, fun fact, while they are called Dinozords, not all of them are actually dinosaurs. Okay, while the Pteranosaurus and Triceratops are considered actual dinosaurs, the Pterodactyl, Sabertooth Tiger, and Mastodon are most definitely not. So it's kind of weird that they only represent 40% of the total <laughs> Zords, but they're all referred to as Dinozords together. Just go with it. And then again, I guess Dinozord does sound infinitely better than Plastiniacine Zord. So I suppose it is also for the best. Wait, so uh, so the pterodactyl is not considered a dinosaur? This blew me away as well, because I thought a pterodactyl was a dinosaur, but looking into a little bit of the research, and you got to remember, James, since we were kids to now, they changed all the dinosaurs. There's Everything's got a different name now. It's like Pluto was a planet, then not a planet. We grew up thinking a pterodactyl was a dinosaur, but today's science tells us it is not anymore. I, I just don't know what's happening with the world anymore. I just, I, this is just- Dinosaurs so be crazy, yo. That's- <laughs> Okay, well done right now. Here are the details on Godzilla. Now, Godzilla first appeared in 1954 and was created by Tomoyuki Tanaka, Ishiro Honda, 
and IG Tsubaraya, born over 250 million years ago in an era where radiation was more plentiful on the Earth's surface, Godzilla stood tall as the alpha predator, as the James Gazzy, if you will, of you know the strongest in the world of Titans. Then, the Permian-Triassic extinction event brought an end to the reign of these super-ancient giants, causing Godzilla and others like him to hibernate, or otherwise hide deep within the Earth, where there would be more plentiful energy for them to feed off of. Then, humanity happened, the atomic age reawakening several of these giants in the modern age. Godzilla had awakened several times in history, but his first brush with modern humanity was in 1954, where his scuffles with another ancient life form known as Chinora resulted in the U.S. military dropping an atomic bomb on both of them, hopefully ending the threat they posed, which, of course, it didn't. And here's an interesting fact about Godzilla. Did you know that all of your favorite monster movies and Power Rangers, you know, and the Megazords, I should say, are thanks to Godzilla? It's true. Godzilla's first appearance created the art of suitmation, or having an actor inside of a suit portray a giant character. Keep in mind that earlier films like King Kong use stop-motion animation, right? So with no presence to lean on, it's impressive how well the designers constructed the costume, although it was really challenging to wear, evidently. The suit was heavy, hot, and hard to breathe in, with most actors only able to last three minutes at a time. So in a weird way, Godzilla helped to create the Power Rangers, and those are the details about Godzilla. Now you have the facts on both opponents. Grady, do you have any questions yourself before we get started? I don't, but only being able to have an actor for a suit in a suit for three minutes at a time just sounds like a production nightmare. I feel sorry for those people. Like uh, there weren't any fans? Yeah. What? Like you can they, just open the mouth and point a fan at it. You can put ice in there. And there's like five PAs that are just assigned to taking off the head and putting the head back on and uh, every three minutes. Nightmare. Look up the history of the Garbage Pail Kids movie to find out more. <laughs> <laughs> Let's see. If all three of us watch the Garbage Heads, what's that? Garbage Pail Kids movies. That will be at least three people we know that actually saw that movie. I don't really think a lot of people. Have. All right. Uh, Ray, I'm excited for this battle. Go ahead and hit us with your point number one. Point number one for the Megazord. Okay, let's get on to some of the basic stuff right here. Because first off, the Megazord is huge. I believe it's clocked in at about 330 feet tall. Now, I know Godzilla in many cases has been 500 feet tall. But my understanding is because of the way Godzilla math and science works, Godzilla is basically just as tall as whatever the heck he's fighting, regardless of who he's fighting. Remember, King Kong was only like 33 feet tall. Except for the fact that when King Kong fights Godzilla, they are much more appropriately sized together. So if these two were to meet up on a battlefield, I would posit the notion that they would both be roughly the exact same size, regardless of whatever canon was established previously anywhere, because that's how Godzilla movies work. So we assume that they're about the same thing. They're big, they're huge. Now, one thing that I've noticed about the Megazord from watching way more Dino Megazord battles on YouTube than I ever thought I would in my life is that it tanks just about everything. And it tanks everything very, very well. Energy attacks, if it ends up getting hit by it, which doesn't always because it does dodge quite a reasonable amount, more than you would think a giant battling robot would. But it can tank a lot of physical blows as well as a lot of energy blasts as well. In fact, the worst thing I really ever saw outside of the finale, which is its own separate story. But in many, many of these battles, the Megazord tanked all kinds of damage. And the worst it would ever do is fall down, recharge, stand back up again pretty quickly, and then come right back into battle as if nothing bad had happened. And that's very, very interesting. Another thing I noticed is one, how maneuverable it is. And this is because the Red Ranger, who is well-trained in the uh, karate martial arts forms, 
Which ones? I don't know. But it's obvious that he has some sort of training in there. And he is the main controller of the body of the Megazord, which means that unlike Godzilla, which doesn't have any formal fighting training, unless James is about to pull a magic rabbit out of his hat, the one that has training is definitely the Megazord. So what you're going to be able to see is him able to dodge, spin, twist, punch, and do all kinds of martial arts maneuvers that you wouldn't, again, think a giant robot would be capable of doing, and definitely not something Godzilla is going to be ready to face especially if we're using the newer version of Godzilla who didn't fight, you know, the, the jet Jaguars of the world, you know, uh, that whole crowd, the Ultramans, you know, the guy who gets really, really big and fights him with martial arts, not a thing with the current Godzilla. I have to feel like that would give him an advantage here. Also, the Megazord can fly. The Megazord can absolutely fly when it needs to, and Godzilla is not a flying creature. I've said many times before, the one that can fly has the definite advantage over the one who cannot. Another thing, Godzilla is a living creature. The Megazord is a robot, so Godzilla feels pain when hit. The Megazord does not. So it is possible to damage, to stun, to cripple, to do all kinds of grievous wounds to Godzilla, which will decrease his ability to fight, but those same type of wounds against the Megazord will not, they will not hurt his ability to fight whatsoever because, again, a Megazord feels no pain. And the last thing, there's a reflection energy shield that the Megazord has access to. So I know that Godzilla likes to shoot kind of a radioactive or energy-based attacks. Well, I'm not saying that those attacks when reflected back will hurt Godzilla, but the fact that Megazord is able to deflect those types of attacks Definitely helps his survivability in this battle. And all that together is my point number one. Interesting. Okay, so when you say the Megazord is agile, can you define that? Like, what, what is he doing that is agile? I mean, he's able to move with a much more a free range of motion than I think many other fighting robots, especially fighting robots of, of that size, you normally see are able to do in that particular media. You know, we were used to the Transformers jumping around and flying and whatnot, but a Transformer is what? like 30 feet tall, 40 feet tall. They're not 300 plus feet tall. So when you normally find characters that are that size, they're just not able to move with any kind of dexterity and agility and see something coming and get out the way. It's usually much more of a, oh no, it's coming. You know, robot jocks, if you remember that movie style, where, oh no, the blast is coming. All I can do is put my hand above my eyes and hope it doesn't blind me. And then it blinds them anyway. Like that's that's unfortunately the mobility in many of these battle tech type characters. Got it. Yeah, I think Robo Jocks is on the same shelf as Garbage Garbage Pail Kids at a Blockbuster back How today. How dare you? Robot Jocks is an, <laughs> is an instant classic. <laughs> I never saw it. I wasn't I was never allowed to see that movie. I, I, I saw wanted it in to. theaters. I saw it in the theaters and I will recommend everybody at home go do the same. And if you don't like it, don't tell me about it because I don't believe you. How many people were in the theater when you saw it? Oh, like five, six. Yeah, Don't worry right. about it. It did not make a lot of money. <laughs> That's good. That's good. Okay. It takes almost anything. It's it's agile. It, it's agile for something. It's size. Yes. Right. But you fair. wouldn't say it's like ninja. Okay. Got it. Okay. Got it. That's, that's what I need to know. These, that was a good uh, point number one. Let me go ahead with my point number one. You're never going to believe this. Uh, let's just go with the obvious. Godzilla is really, really big. Mm-hmm. And that is my point number one. Excellent. <laughs> yeah. Let me... Let me continue. Okay, so just how big is he? Let me kind of go into a bit more detail from where where Ray started. Godzilla is approximately 393 feet tall. He weighs 90,000 tons, which is the equivalent to 9,000 blue whales. That means that Godzilla is actually both taller and much, much heavier than uh, the Megazord. The Megazord is about 333 feet tall, and he weighs about 86 tons. It's respectable, 86 tons. It's pretty heavy. 
that's not 90,000 tons. There's a slight difference in size there, and size does matter. And so when you do the math, that means Godzilla's what? About 1,000 times heavier than the Megazord. Let's focus on that for a second. What does Godzilla's size mean for this fight? So he's got insane power. He can't, you know, he can't walk through a city without destroying buildings. He swims in the ocean, and the, the waves where he's swimming casually move huge battleships like they were toys in the water. A wave of his huge tail can create huge tailwinds. I don't know what the right expression is, right? He creates a tsunami by walking onto shore from the ocean and just his steps, and the water comes with him. He walks through the Golden Gate Bridge like it was nothing. To put it mildly, his size is insanely impressive. And as a result, he's got, I don't know how else to call this, ungodly strength. So in his last battle, in the last movie with King Ghidorah, who's actually bigger than Godzilla in size and weight, he actually picked up King Ghidorah and threw him, I looked like at least 300, 400, 500 yards away. It was pretty impressive. How do you think he's going to do strength-wise against something that weighs 86 tons? If he can pick up something that's probably 100,000 tons and throw him football fields away through buildings and smash him, an 86-ton Megazord is not going to be an issue for him. Speaking of King Ghidorah, whenever Godzilla and King Ghidorah hit or slammed into each other, the power that was there was so insane, it caused massive invisible shockwaves that would then destroy buildings around them. When the Megazord hits someone, does it create a shockwave? No. Just putting that out there. In terms of pure size and strength, the original Megazord has never faced anything like Godzilla, a massive 90,000-ton monster who's powerful enough to throw an even bigger monster through the air, but there's more. See, Godzilla has some really cool powers. First of all, he's super durable and can tank pretty much anything. He's tanked missiles, all types of artillery, hits from other huge monsters, all that easily tanked by Godzilla. In fact, a nuclear bomb that went off in his face not only didn't hurt him, it actually powers him up. You know why? Because he's got another superpower where he's able to absorb energy, not just absorb it, he can power himself up with it and then shoot it out. And speaking of shooting it out, we can't forget about his atomic breath, which he shoots at both long and short range. And remember this number. This is going to come into play later. His atomic breath easily reaches... 500,000 degrees Celsius. And if Godzilla is in a situation that calls for something even more insane than atomic breath, he has something called a nuclear pulse where he can actually shoot that energy out of his whole body. His fins start to glow and all of a sudden he just shoots it out in a multi-directional wave and destroys everything around him. And if that wasn't enough, Godzilla has a healing factor because when you weigh 90,000 tons, why not? So when was the last time the Megazord dealt with something that had all of what Godzilla's bringing to the table? Here's a hint. It hasn't and that's my point number one. James, you're saying a lot of good stuff right there. But I, look, Godzilla is very, very powerful and he's very, very big. These metrics are a little bit crazy, though, because Godzilla does tend to scale up and down depending on who he's fighting. I don't think this is a point that can be denied. But I went ahead and calculated his body mass index because those numbers seemed a little bit out of whack. Now, at 393 feet and 180 million pounds, which is what you are describing as far as 90,000 tons goes, I computed the BMI, and that is 5,689.6. That's his BMI. Now, you're obese if you're over 30. What I'm trying to say is Godzilla is a big, bloated, slow monster. He's not just obese. He's mega crazy, massive levels of obese, which is why he can't control himself when he walks through a city, destroying all the buildings. The fact he can move at all is quite frankly a mystery to us all. But when you have one character who can barely move and the other one who has no problem being agile for its size, that's where I want to leave that. Obese Godzilla. Hashtag it. I just want to say something. Uh, first of all, fat jokes are hurtful. Oh, I'm not, make, I'm not, I'm oh, not no, making fun late, of him for being large. You, I'm you just did, calling you did. it out. 
You you did. Secondly, with that BMI, luckily now he qualifies for the vaccine. Yes, definitely. Right? The the corona the corona vaccine. How so many that's doses good news. would you have to give Godzilla before it took effect though? Oh, at least three. Yeah, probably three. Yeah, in the shoulder, two in the legs. And by the way, there's a lot of animals that are bottom heavy. Godzilla is definitely bottom heavy. And I will disagree with you. He actually does move really, really well very, in a very agile manner. But I'll get some more of that later. All right. Great. What, have you, what do you think about points number one from both Ray and myself? Where's your head at so far? The metrics of Godzilla are off the charts, as Ray was pointing out. This, this BMI is insane. But I think that that is is can be attributed more to like his density than obesity Mm. and i think that actually plays in his favor however uh he makes good points about the red ranger being the one who's in charge of like the movement of the megazord and all of uh his agility and karate training playing a factor into the fight that and and his ability to fly i mean megazord can literally fly circles around godzilla He's just got to be able to hit him hard enough. That's true. That's true. All right. Fair. So there's good advantages to both characters. Ray's coming out swinging, as am I. Ray, let's keep this battle going. Hit us with your point number two. Point number two, I want to talk about some of the special attacks of the Megazord because the Megazord is combined of five Power Rangers uh, Dinozords. That's very, very important because you have five versus one in this particular battle. Five different human brains trying to find an answer to Godzilla versus one lizard brain who's just working on a survival instinct. You got to see how five brains put together of these plucky teenagers probably has a strong tactical advantage. But let's talk about each of those individual dinosaurs and what they bring to the table. First off, we have the Mastodon. Now, the Mastodon has a cold blast. What's really cool about the cold blast is it's been seen to work against giant monsters to freeze them in place for a certain period of time, which allows for getting back closer, getting away further, getting whatever distance that you need to cross or get away from, depending on how the battle's going at that moment. But also, if you're frozen, there's no real way to block or defend yourself against a powerful attack that's coming in against you. Additionally, we have the Tyrannosaurus Rex, who offers up a very large energy blast as their special ability that they bring to the table. Now, Godzilla's dealt with energy blasts before. The question is, how many energy blasts would it take? Because Megazord's coming with a lot of them. Because you also have the Triceratops, which has a set of lasers as well, but also a chain link power cable, which is used to bind, constrict, and otherwise hinder the movement of anything that it shoots at. Think of like a bola weapon when it kind of throws it and it ties around your legs and knocks you over. It's that, but on a much larger scale to the point that it works on giant monsters. And even if Godzilla wouldn't be completely incapacitated by it, definitely you could see how it could hinder his movement to allow for the Megazord to get off a powerful attack. Now we have the Sabertooth, and the Sabertooth brings more lasers, a lot of lasers, each one of them bring to the table, and also very powerful teeth to bite with. The Pterodactyl also brings lasers to the table, as well as a lightning-based ability. Lightning strikes. We've seen Thor, God of Thunder, work his magic against you know all of these different characters in the Marvel universe. I don't see how a very large dinosaurd getting lightning strikes on couldn't definitely do something to Godzilla, who is a living being, a radioactive living being, but a living being all the same. Now, combining their powers together obviously creates the Megazord we're talking about today. And the Megazord now has 
many, many different cannons equipped as well as a cranial laser. So you're getting lasers on top of cannons, on top of lasers, on top of lasers, on top of more lasers. And the question is, how many lasers do I have to hit Godzilla with at medium range distance before he actually starts feeling the effects of it? And I think the answer is we have enough to get the job done. And even if we don't, the final thing to mention, Megazord also has what's called the seismic roar which has been able to actually like dis you don't talk about Godzilla disrupting the ocean when he walks through it. The seismic roar can actually disrupt the ground and cause things to shake and cause tanks to fly all over the place and create kind of an earthquake around it. So if the battles in the ocean, I would argue that Godzilla definitely has some level of advantage being an aquatic creature, but if the battle can get to land and I have every reason to believe that it will, I think the seismic roar is something that Godzilla is not going to be ready for because he doesn't spend a lot of time on the land. So therefore, if you're able to shake up his equilibrium, you could then again, and all this is setting up for, set up for a much larger type of attack. And that's my point number two. Okay, so Godzilla does spend quite a bit of time on the land. We've actually seen this. It's actually documented. He's dealt with seismic things before, you know, with different monsters who have different abilities. So quick question. Does the, I know all of the Megazords, when you split split them apart, the Dinozords, if you will, have, most of them have lasers. When you put them together, do they still have lasers? Uh, They've been known to shoot lasers, whether it's in the different modes of the Megazord, which I'll get into in my point number three. But individually, some of those abilities can still be used from inside the Megazord. I've seen examples of it on my TV screen. Got it. I was looking for a yes or no answer. Uh, I will never give you just one word for anything. I'm not a bad athlete interview, James. That's fair. Now, Godzilla, in terms of the ice and the cold, it's interesting because I remember in the last movie, Godzilla was underwater in the Arctic, swimming around fine and busted through the ice that was super thick because there's like Arctic bases on it and grabbed King Ghidorah and fought him there. So I don't think the ice or cold is really going to do much to him. But uh, I, I, will would argue, say, I would argue really quick against that, James, because in, there's a difference between naturally occurring ice and sort of scientific or magic-based ice. You talked about the Sub-Zero in the Marnius-Kelgar battle being able to quick-freeze somebody by hitting them at a certain ridiculous number that clearly wasn't real, but you made it up anyway. I would just argue that a scientifically-based thing has been shown to have these effects on these giant creatures, so whether he's able to swim through the Arctic maybe doesn't have an effect on something that's science-based. Sorry, I'm sorry, keep going. that's it all right uh let me go ahead and hit you with my point number two you're gonna find this one interesting right because you were talking about the fighting ability especially if the red ranger he's a a martial artist and the other rangers also gain martial arts ability when they transformed into their power ranger suits and what have you and gain those powers but let's talk about the fighting style of godzilla so the megazord's piloted by piloted by five teenagers with if you average it out good fighting skills right godzilla is a fighting expert in fact I'm going to say that Godzilla has at least thousands of years of more fighting experience than the teenagers piling the Megazord, at least. You got to remember, Godzilla was first, you know, first roamed the Earth 250 million years ago, where he's taken on all these huge creatures with different powers and abilities. And, and these battles were life or death. It wasn't a, you know, hope this type of creature grows big or whatever. These were life and death. Something's tearing into him, eating him or trying to destroy it, whatever it is. These were vicious battles. He was a master of this. That's where he got his fighting skills. Let me kind of backtrack. There's a reason that there's an actor named TJ Storm does the motion capture for Godzilla because TJ Storm, look him up, amazing martial artist. He's been in everything from Guardians of the Galaxy to he was in that. Who's that? Punisher Ray Stevenson. Was that it? Punisher Warzone. Yeah. Warzone. Yeah. He was in that too. Uh, 6'2", 230 pounds. I've met him. Great guy. You know, can do parkour, can move and everything. They use him 
for the motion capture of Godzilla because, you know, they wanted a fighting expert who knew how to move combatively to really portray what Godzilla could do combatively. So when you get a chance, rewatch Godzilla and watch how he moves when he fights. This is what was really intriguing to me when I watched the new Godzilla movies. Godzilla has skills. And he has skills from probably, again, thousands of extreme life or death battles. Because as savage as Godzilla is, he does know how to fight. He knows how to use his body the right way. And he knows how to fight really, really well. So, for example, he's a master at tackling and pinning maneuvers. That's what he's done to Mothra, King Ghidorah, and the original monsters from the first Godzilla film. Godzilla is very fast, both in and out of water. And it's crazy to see something that big move that fast and that fluidly on land. He kind of darts, moves around buildings. He can jump up. This this creature, as big as he is, as it is, can move really, really well combatively and is super, super agile. He can dodge attacks. He can move himself in and out of range of combat of moves of a creature trying to hit him or blast him with some type of energy blast. And again, that's all thanks to TJ Storm's movements. Just keep that in mind still. So Godzilla likes to use these close quarter combat techniques. He loves headbutts. Godzilla also likes to smash his opponent's heads into the ground. Like the time he smashed King Ghidorah's head so hard in the ground, it destroyed that Arctic base I referred to earlier. Plus, Godzilla loves to stomp his opponents in order to, you know, to cave in their chests. Again, something he did to King Ghidorah. And with King Ghidorah, remember, this is a bigger, stronger monster than Godzilla, who, you know, is a world conqueror. So whenever he comes down, whatever planet he goes to, he destroys that planet, kind of terraforms it, takes it over for himself. Godzilla is what stopped that King Mont Ghidorah from space from doing that to the Earth. Godzilla's tail, let's talk about that for a second. His tail's been used to smash into and through giant monsters. He knows how to use it like a master. He can strike it like a whip when he, you know, he turns his whole body into it. Or he loves catching opponents by surprise with his tail. More on that one later. But the real masterful savagery comes from how Godzilla uses his teeth to fight. So he loves to bite onto opponents' limbs and tear them off, or even more gruesome, grabbing onto King Ghidorah's neck and the head still waving around and everything. And he just kind of holds on the body and just takes this vicious glee and ripping his head, the neck right off his body. And that doesn't count how Godzilla likes to grab his like opponents who are monsters by their throats, hold them into the air, and either throw them into buildings, stomp them, bite them up close, tear something off. Or my personal favorite is when he holds them, has their mouth open, and blasts atomic breath down their throat at close range. So you see the glow through that monster's throat and everything, and it's getting blasted. Sure, the original five Power Rangers were teenagers with attitude, which I guess counts for something. But they got nothing on the complete savagery and, I'm quoting this term, kick-assery of Godzilla. That's my point number two. You're not going to ever be wrong when you say Godzilla is a savage monster. Look, we've seen Godzilla in the movies, whether they be the old movies, the new movies, or anywhere in between. Godzilla is is interesting. Now, the idea that Godzilla has a ton of experience and that's going to help him in this battle is a little bit of a weird argument to me because he is a, let me check, lizard. He is a he is an animal. He is a lizard. That's like saying because the junkyard dog who lives in the junkyard has fought off 30 dogs who tried to take his spot. He's really good at fighting. Not really. <laughs> he just found ways to win battles. And that's fine. He, these battles are also, James, unless I'm mistaken, against other animals, other monsters. Not something with a human level of intelligence who can actually create a battle plan, study his opponent, and come up with something on the fly to defeat them rather soundly and easily. So I think the experience point, while an interesting one, obviously Godzilla's here, Godzilla's that large, and Godzilla has lasted this long for very good reason. That said, one of those reasons is because he never had to fight the Megazord before, quite frankly. 
Okay, that's that's I, I see where you're going with that, Ray. You know, the reality is you take someone who's 16 or 17. I'm not sure how old the Red Ranger was. Got great martial arts experience, has sparred quite a bit. He's now trying to pilot this huge thing. He's got this inherent knowledge beamed down to him from Zordon, what have you. I get it. He fits it like a glove against Godzilla. You do take a junkyard dog who has to fight off 30 other dogs. They'll retain some understanding of what to do to survive. Godzilla, however, is extremely intelligent, interacts with humans, can understand human motivations, and you know, especially when they're trying to help them. This is not a regular animal, but we'll have to disagree with you on that point. With all that being said, we're now at the turning point. So, Brady, you've heard two points from Ray. You've heard two points from me. Where is your head at? Who do you think is winning this battle so far? And what does the other side have to do to pull out the victory? This is kind of turning into another brains versus brawn battle after that second point. Because the the power and size of Godzilla and the savagery and ruthlessness gives it an edge, you know, on the Megazord to think tactically and how to fly around and uh, use all these different abilities against Godzilla to overcome it using the brains and the Red Rangers karate training and all of that. However, most of these attacks that the Megazord has are laser attacks, which it seems like is the kind of thing that Godzilla could just absorb and then redirect it back at the at the Megazord. The cold breath is cool. The constriction cable is cool. How varied Empire Strikes Back. So I think Godzilla's got the edge for me right now. I think the Megazord needs a killing blow, and I don't see that killing blow yet. Wow. Crazy, crazy thing. I do, and you'll hear it in my point number three. <laughs> I can't wait. Uh-oh. Okay, so this is this is odd. Ray's tonality with what he just said is revealing something. I can't wait for this. I think uh, Ray's gonna about to attempt to hit a Grand Slam home run. Ray, hit us with your point number three. Point number three for the Megazord. We have a lot of different things we want to talk about and why the Megazord has an edge over Godzilla. Because, Grady, you laid out some very good points there in the turning point. Yes, I would say as far as natural uh, brawn goes, Godzilla is definitely a bigger creature, a more uh, not a more powerful creature in a way, in a way is more powerful. I would disagree. I think the lasers would hurt him. Uh, it is an energy-based weapon, not a radioactive-based weapon, not a, like, bullets, which would obviously just bounce off his very, very thick skin. I think the lasers would be one of the ways to actually get through that type of a thick skin because of the way they're coming at. But the Megazord has two different modes. It starts off in tank mode as its first mode, sometimes skips right past it, but tank mode's important because it is a little bit more of a stable platform, not going to be knocked down so easily. Not really a guy character like Godzilla is not going to know how to attack something that like Megazord when he's in tank mode. But most importantly, all of those lasers are on full display when he's in tank mode. So all of those lasers and cannons are all pointed out and the natural firepower in tank mode is something massively impressive. So if this ends up being a longer range battle where the battle starts at kind of a medium long range, I would argue that all those lasers from tank mode would do a heck of a lot of damage to Godzilla, weakening him before the rest of the battle takes place. Now, the second mode Megazord has is battle mode. Now, battle mode is sort of the big, you know, fighting robot that we all know and love right there. That's the battle mode right there. Now, why is this a big deal? Why is it important? One, again, the agility I mentioned earlier. Second, one of the rangers, I want to say the pink ranger, has access to the scanners. And scanners scan for weaknesses, scan for ways that you could hurt them. So if we shoot the lasers at Godzilla at a very long range in the very kind of the jab portion of this fight, 
The scanners are going to pick up one, whether they did anything or not. So if they did, we know that we can keep fighting with it. And if they don't, we're not going to waste time with that attack any longer. And that's the type of thing. Godzilla might try to do the same thing a couple times in a row before that lizard brain sort of figures out, hey, this isn't working. Well, we have human brains with scanner technology to figure out weak spots on Godzilla that would be appropriate to hit, as well as whether our damage, whether we're doing any damage at all. Also, Trained in close combat. You know, you could argue that Godzilla has experience fighting monsters, but as far as, you know, pressure points go, as far as actual fighting technique goes, as far as being trained goes, Red Ranger's got it. Megazord's got it. Megazord actually knows, quote unquote, how to fight. Also, if the only way that the Megazord actually has trouble is when the Megazord loses power. This is how at the end of the big season one, when the Green Ranger came in and kicked his butt with like two other monsters at the same time and blew up the Megazord. The only reason that was able to happen is because the Megazord was completely drained of power from a very prolonged fight before that. And it was also fighting three three characters at the same time, I would also mention. Now, that's not necessarily a problem here in that the Megazord, because again, because people are running it, they know how to divert power from one section to another. So if a really big attack is about to come in, they can divert all their power up to the shields and make sure that they defend against that. Godzilla, again, just natural, doesn't have the ability to do things like that. But the big place and the big place we're going to go here is the power sword. The power sword is one, as soon as the power sword descends from the heaven, I don't know if it's just floating like a satellite in space, waiting for the Megazord to call it down, but much like He-Man calls down his sword (laughs) and says, I have the power. When the Megazord is ready to end this fight, Megazord calls down the power sword and does the move known as the Megazord power slash, which is, it, it, it actually takes like three different forms over the course of the battles, but essentially it's one real powerful slash with a gigantic power sword. And it has felled 20 giant monsters in one shot each. 20, Grady, 20 different monsters got one-shotted by the power sword. Not just that, the sword itself is a power supply which recharges the Megazord to full power when it drops from the sky. So the way I see this battle going is it's good. we're going to get off a lot of shots against Godzilla. Godzilla's going to get in some shots too. I'm not going to pretend, but I do believe that the Megazord can take a lot of those shots, being that a lot of these physical shots that Godzilla's going to attempt Uh, are meant to cause pain, which it won't feel, but also it's only going to scratch the paint essentially against a character like a Megazord. Megazord's going to just going to pepper him up, pepper him up, weaken him, either do, you know, one of these like binding attacks uh, of some kind or do the freeze attack and hold Godzilla in place, call down the power sword, take out Godzilla with one shot, just like 20 other monsters before it, because that's just what the Megazord is made to do. And that's my point. Number three, that is a strong point. Number three. I will give you that. That is a very strong point. Number three, you know what I remember? I I always loved it when he called down, we need the power sword now. And it comes flying down, hits the ground. And what I always found comical is that the power sword would reach for it and try to pull it out, but it couldn't do it the first time. Remember that you try to pull it out and then you have to take a second time. (laughs) I'm like, why didn't you edit that out? Why did did I just pull it out once? It fell from the heavens and embedded itself into the ground to the point where it could stand up. If he was to just walk over and King Arthur that thing, it would have been unrealistic for this giant fighting robot show. (laughs) Absolutely. Why why does a robot need two tries to pull out a sword from the ground? I just made me happy. That moment makes me happy. I I I find the weirdest things humorous, and that I did find that humorous. I do think also what's great is that when the power, when the Megazord loses power, it actually doesn't lose speed and it doesn't lose durability. 
That's also mm-hmm. what I find really impressive. So regardless of it as high power, low power, it still has some inherent abilities, right? Like that, yep. stay with it. So the, the Megazord is definitely, definitely impressive. Okay, let me see what I can do with my point number three. You know, you, you mentioned one of the worst events, the most saddening events of all television history. We all remember that sad day and where we were mm-hmm. when it happened. I mean, let's just face it. Ray and Grady, you, you know what I'm talking about. It's uh, it, it was one of the most momentous occasions I, I i still remember watching it going like how did this happen what what is happening here great television by the way you know i remember it was like yesterday because it was yesterday when i watched all those youtube videos so it's now fresh here's how the fight went let me kind of break this down the original green ranger just like what ray said is now giant sized and is using his sword to take apart the megazord so every time the green ranger hits the megazord with his sword you'd see like an explosion a blast showing like hey, the Megazord is being damaged. And I get it. It was low on energy, but again, it's still durable and it's taking hits. And, you know, again, I don't want to relive this, but we have to for this battle. The Megazord is showing that it can't move anywhere as quickly or as agile as the Green Ranger. Like the Green Ranger is literally moving around it in circles and the Megazord is trying to like churn and move and getting just like a James Gadsby style beat down and no one wants that. Anyway, Goldar and Scorpina show up. I think it was Scorpina. And Scorpina uses her tail whips it out at the Megazord, catches him by surprise around the throat and blasts him with some energy being through the tail. The Megazord then at that point is damaged. Goldar and the Green Ranger combine their swords, put them together and shoot what looks like a whatever kind of lame energy blast at the Megazord, who's just so damaged he gets hit. Then all of a sudden shuts down, falls down. The five Rangers jump out because they're trying to escape. A crevice opens with lava because why not? And then the Power Ranger falls into the lava, split apart into the five animals and all the, or the dinosaurs and the dinosaurs are screaming, exploding, bloating up and are destroyed. Okay. And Ray, I see you're te- tearing up a little about this. And, uh, and again, I'm really sorry to make you relive this, but it's, it's an emotional moment, moment I know, in television but, but history. You got to bear with me on this one. We need this. So why does this battle make me see all of Megazord's weaknesses that play into Godzilla's strengths? And I hate to do what I'm about to do, but I don't have a choice. So first of all, the Megazord was getting heavily damaged by the sword strikes of the giant-sized Green Ranger, right? And these same sword strikes would have done little to no damage to Godzilla. He would have tanked them all. I'll also go on record to say that Godzilla can hit way harder than the sword strikes of the Green Ranger. Then there was the Megazord's lack of mobility and agility. He was literally standing in place, moving his arms, failing, turning his head. He reminded me you know, of Andre the Giant in the early 90s. Sure, he's big, he's strong, he can take a lot of damage, but he's not getting out of the way of anything. He's not moving. You know, he's not nimble. He's just kind of staying there. That lack of speed and mobility would be disastrous against the very fast and agile Godzilla, just like it was in this in this case. There was Scorpina's tail. Again, she caught the Megazord by surprise. Not only that, she was in front of the Megazord when she did it, clearly in eyesight and, you know, looking straight ahead. And he still got caught surprise by surprise by a tail. Wonder who else has a tail who can use it to fight. Oh, yeah, that's Godzilla. And then there's the energy blast that came from the Swords of Goldar and the Green Ranger. Remember, Godzilla can absorb that energy blast, just like what, you know, Grady, you were saying before. But Godzilla's atomic breath would absolutely destroy the Megazord. Do you know how I know? Because the lava that the dinosaurs fell into, super hot lava is about 1,250 degrees Celsius, which is slightly less hot than the 500,000 degrees Celsius that Godzilla's atomic breath can reach. In the end... Godzilla would have fared much better in that same situation, even if he was coming from another fight against the Green Ranger, Scorpion, and Goldar. I guarantee it. And in this Hoodwin battle, Godzilla will and can do everything the Green Ranger, Goldar, and Scorpion did to destroy the Megazord. 
only a hot, a lot more savagely with way more power. And that is my point number three. That is an interesting point number three. You dwelled on that one fight a lot longer than I thought you were going to. And it was an interesting tactic. We'll see if it pays off. What I will say is that one of the reasons, again, many reasons why this battle happened the way that it did. One, because it was the Megazord versus three giant creatures. Godzilla is only one giant creature. So yes, when you're fighting 3v1, one of those three has the capacity, even if they're in front of you, to take you by surprise because you're worried about the other ones. This is a one-on-one encounter. So I definitely do not agree that those same things would happen. And yes, the dinosaurs all fell in the lava crying, like so out of character. They're screaming and crying as they're being pulled into the lava and killed they all come back later it's fine i mean basically they re- they use the parts to make other stuff it was fine <laughs> my point though is that megazord has shields has shields to protect himself a reflecting shield has the ability to divert power to shields so yes uh, the lava did melt them when they were at their lowest point and unable to defend themselves but that's not where this battle is i mean if they if we if godzilla showed up and there were five dinosaurs in lava i feel like godzilla would win this battle yes but that's not where we're at. We're both at the height of our powers in this battle, James, and it's a one-on-one encounter. The way it would actually go is the fact that Megazord would start in tank mode and shoot Godzilla from a distance. Godzilla would get off an atomic blast that would be very, very powerful. It's not the fastest attack in the world. That's why Godzilla often grabs the creature he's doing it to and does it point blank because it's, it's, it is, you can dodge out of the way of that particular attack of the Megazord is agile enough that it can definitely dodge out of the way would not tank it. I promise you that. So the Megazord is going to be shooting back, shooting back, shooting back. Godzilla is going to close the distance. The scanners are going to reveal whether the lasers are working or not. And at the end of the day, they're going to trade some blows. Megazord's going to be hit a few times, get knocked down, get up, going to hit Godzilla a few times, probably stagger Godzilla, maybe not knock him down. Because if you knock down Godzilla, that's a little bit like knocking down King Hippo in Mike Tyson's punch out. If you knock him down, he's done. He is done. And that battle's not happening again. And then Megazord calls forth the power sword from the sky, uses the freeze attack or the binding attack to hold Godzilla in place for all of three seconds necessary to get that one, one Megazord power slash off and wins this battle. I'll leave it to the judge though. Gotcha. Will there be lasers involved? There will always be lasers involved when it comes to the Megazord. Got it. All right. So Grady, listen, you've heard three points from Ray. You've heard three points from me. We're both debating really hard for our characters here. It's now up to you. Take us through your process. Take us on a journey. Tell us in your own words, who wins this battle? Is it the Megazord? Or is it Godzilla? Well, I think the thing that I'm hung up on now is the nature of Godzilla's absorption ability and whether or not he would be able to absorb these lasers. Because if it's only radioactivity that he can absorb and lasers aren't radioactive, or are they? I'm no, I'm not a physicist. Then the lasers would hurt him. And would be a sufficient weapon to use against Godzilla. Are you looking for the definition of a laser? Yeah, I mean, oh, I mean, what's it's light th- amplification by stimulated emission of radiation? It is radiation. It's a very powerful okay. light weapon. You know, if you want to get into the <laughs> science of it, you can get into the science of it. All I know is that it shoots monsters and blows them out. Yeah. It shoots robots and blows them out, and that's all you need to know. But Godzilla is a monster that absorbs radiation. There, then he would be able to absorb these lasers. But also, I forgot about the power sword. It's been a long time. 
since I've watched Power Rangers, and I forgot about the Power Sword, and man, that is like that killing blow that I was looking for. Whether or not the Megazord can actually soften him up, I don't know, especially if he's able to absorb the lasers. He wouldn't be as softened. I mean, you couldn't really soften him up. You'd just be hitting him, and he'd get more and more powerful. (sighs) This is really tough. Definitely the hardest decision I've had to make on this show so far. This is my fourth time being on here, and this is easily the hardest. Godzilla is inescapably the most powerful monster that there's ever been. But the Megazord is a robot designed to hunt down and destroy powerful monsters. (sighs) You know, the way I have the points written out here, the the points that I've doled out for each of your three points, James, I, I think you dwelled too much on that battle and just diminishing the Megazord's abilities instead of giving the final blow against the Megazord himself, because that example was against three other monsters. I have Megazord winning by one point. Interesting. Interesting. So let me ask the question then. Just because the points are there on your sheet doesn't mean that that's officially the answer, unless you want it to be. I I need to hear out loud, because at the end of the day, it's up to you. Uh Who wins this battle? I think the Megazord has the tactical intellect to get Godzilla in a vulnerable position so that he can make the final killing blow with the power sword and is agile enough to escape the atomic breath. If they are truly the same size, which they're close enough, I think... I'm sorry, Haley. I think Megazord could <laughs> defeat Godzilla. <laughs> wow! There it is! There it oh, is! And I will Brady. embrace this victory. I will embrace this joy. Look, I've said many times on the show, I don't feel joy at victory. I just feel like I didn't screw up. But this time, this time I feel a little joy on the inside. <laughs> I know how tough Godzilla is because I repped him in the very first episode of this battle. And I know James and how hard he was going to bring it with Godzilla. This one has special meaning for this guy right here. I got to say, I I I was leaning towards Godzilla going into the going. I got to tell you why I'm disappointed because the energy sword is an energy sword. What do you think is going to happen? Godzilla is going to absorb the energy from the energy sword. He's not gonna. That's the I'm problem. Telling you, I'm telling you, Grady, I think you're awesome. I love your YouTube videos, by the way. They're fantastic. Everyone, go check out Grady's YouTube Thanks. channel. I'm going to have to disagree with you about, I don't know, 1,000%, which, by the way, Godzilla is 1,000 times bigger than the Megazord. I think he made a mistake no, wait here, a good sir. 393 feet to 333 feet, if we take them in their own universes, I'm no mathematician, but I don't think that's a thousand times bigger, James Gavsey. 90,000 tons to 86 tons. But is is the the power sword an energy sword? It sounds like it's more like this 
divine yes. Excalibur that really that falls from the heavens oh, and no, one shots monsters. It's basically it's magic. It's basically magic. <laughs> it's, an energy it's an energy sword. But with that being said, I gotta tell you, I really, really disagree with Brady James Welch on this one. <laughs> but I will say that my uh, battle tactics were sound, and that I disagree with Brady James Welch on this decision. But I will say that Ray did a great job on this battle. Well done, Ray. You repped the Megazord well. And I kind of like it because as much as I love Godzilla, there's a soft spot for the Megazord. Quick story. When Power Rangers came out, all these MMA fighters, because the MMA was brand new at the time. 1993, the UFC started. All the high-level MMA people, all the jiu-jitsu people and all that, all of them loved Power Rangers. It was crazy. Oh, I believe it. Everyone was into the Power Rangers. It was insane. So in a weird way, it's kind of cool even though Grady James Welch kind of made a horrible decision. <laughs> wow. Some See, may agree with you, but the right you, people won't. You know, you know, deep in his heart that James is really feeling the pain of this battle because James is never, never says a rude thing to a judge because he knows you'll be back again. I say rude things to judges also because I know you'll be back again. I, you know what? You got to respect the judges at all times Nah, even when they're that. incorrect, even that when they true. make a huge mistake, even when I had to spell out what a laser was, it's radiant. Anyway, but with that being said, I, I do mean, love I... your process. I do love your process. I love how you came to the decision, and you are so much fun to have on the show. I still love you, Great. I love you, too. Yeah, it, It's a, a blast. I mean, you know, I gave it to Hawkman that one time, too. So That's true. People will disagree with me. A little bit of redemption there for you the go. end metal battle. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta tell you, this one hurts, though. This one hurts. The Hawkman one, even I was kind of like, what? This one hurts, Brady. This one... I'll tell you what, that Dante one hurt, too. <laughs> That's true. All right. Well, Ray, you pulled out. This is one of the, those battles I was almost going to call the beginning and say, I've got this. I'm so, so confident. But you did a great job. You brought the right weapons to the battle. Awesome job on your part. My hat is off to you, good sir. Good win for Ray. With that being said, Grady, thank you for being a judge. You are awesome. Again, just you're, you're, you're a favorite of the show. Tell everyone where they can find you online. Thanks, man. It's uh, it's always a pleasure to be here. You can find me online, Instagram, at Shady Grady James, and my band, Hellcross, at Hellcross Band with a K, Comedy Heavy Metal. Check us out on YouTube. We've got a web series called American World Tour, and it's like one to two minute sketches of a heavy metal band on tour on the bus. They're a lot of fun. They're really short. They were a blast to make. And we made that right before quarantine started. Um, so you can knock them all out in like half an hour. YouTube, Hellcross Band, Instagram, Twitter, Trader Grady James. That's where you find me. Love it. Uh, and by the way, I checked out your YouTube series and your music as well. But your YouTube series is uh, hilarious. Love it. Everyone should go check it out. And Ray, again, congratulations. Well earned victory on your part. Well done. Thank you. You, you kind of reestablished some faith in one of my old school you know, childhood heroes. How are you feeling? And then tell everyone where they can find you. I mean, I'm feeling great right now. Look, Mainstream March comes its way to an end. I was nervous after I thought the Carnage battle. Look, I should have won that battle. Frank Todaro, bless his heart, created and postulated a situation that exactly is the one that I wanted and then said, and because Ray got the exact situation he wanted, Ray loses. And I've had some heartbreaks in the past. That was yet another one of them. 
dear Lord. So I feel a little bit of redemption in this battle. I'm not going to lie. I'm not the biggest, hugest old school fan of the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, but I respect the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers and everything that they bring to the medium. I would like to read a quick review because I can. It's a five-star review because I won't read it if it's not. Love the show and doubt your something. I can't quite read the entire thing here. Doesn't show up on my screen. I usually hate when people say manga like manga, but when Ray says it like that, it makes me laugh. Anyways, I would say do Mikasa from Attack on Titan versus Ant-Man, but that might be unfair, so why are you suggesting it? Or Levi from Attack on Titan versus Black Panther. Actually, maybe. He's changing his mind mid-sentence. Deku versus Black Panther. Anyways, I love the show. Cool Sky Ninja. Hi, Cool Sky Ninja. Let me speak to you. One-to-one, mano-a-mano. Thank you so much for the five-star reviews. Leave the suggestions to the Who Would Win production team. Oh, wow. You can find me on Twitter, at Almighty Ray. Guys, we're celebrating Mainstream March. If anyone's mainstream, it's this guy right here. If anyone's mainstream, it's the Mighty Morphin, gosh darn Power Rangers. Respect. Uh, Where do I start? All right, so as the enforcer of the Who Would Win Empire, I am still taking applications for different positions. I will also call on all who are currently within the Who Would Empire, Who Would Win Empire, to make a statement about today's battle and let me know how they really feel. Remember, I'm in charge of hiring, so make those statements carefully. Did you favor the Power Rangers and the Megazord, or did you agree with me that rightfully Godzilla should have won? With that being said, you can find me on Twitter at James Gavs. You can also find me at James Gavs on Instagram and Facebook. Remember to join the official Who Would Win Facebook group to make a suggestion for a matchup for the show and to be part of our growing community. You can also find us on Instagram at Who Would Win Show. Don't forget to subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever else you go for your podcasts. And check out the Who Would Win website at www.whowouldwinshow.com to access all of our past podcast episodes. On behalf of myself, Ray Stacanus, and the rest of the amazing Who Would Win team, thank you once again for listening to another episode of Who Would Win. We'll see you next time. It's Brent Pope, the host of Breakfast with Brent Pope. You've seen me on some of your favorite TV shows saying things like, give it up, Jimmy. You got to sink this putt to win. On Breakfast with Brent Pope, I sit down with guests from the entertainment world and we do it all over breakfast. Or should I say breakfast? Every week on Breakfast, you get inside Hollywood info and tips, great breakfast wrecks and booty debates. Most of all, you get the most delightful 30 minutes of your week. So dig in. It's breakfast time. Listen at breakfast.com, Apple Podcasts, or wherever fine podcasts are found.